Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, what a week it has been. Finally got through Halloween. Happy November to everyone. You know, it was interesting because um, I've got a young daughter and we went out trick-or-treating and uh, she always asks me, hey daddy, what are you going to be this year? Um, she went out as a zombie and uh, you know, it was awesome. You know, she got all dressed up and everything. And so I said, well, you know what? Um, I've got my old skeleton costume that I normally wear every single year so I could be the Grim Reaper, or I could be the Bank of Canada. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, hang on. That's right. <laughs> Bad news. Anyways, as we know, interest rates, you know, trending up a little. Not exactly the uh, most impressive thing for us at this time. Some people will say it's good. It's going to rein in the market. Uh, speaking of people that can uh, can weigh in on that, uh, in a little bit, I'm going to have Romana King join me. She's a real estate expert. You've heard her here on the show quite a bit. And I always look to Romana to, you know, get the real goods on real estate. Uh, she's also in the West Coast, so we always get an update uh, with Vancouver. And a little bit later on in the hour in the studio, I'm going to have Ron Sally, and he is a broker owner at Remax. In fact, he's one of the youngest ones they've ever had. And we're going to talk about condominiums. We're going to talk about millennials. We're going to talk about the market. We're going to talk about builders. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for the entire show. But more importantly, um, what's going on in real estate? Hey, but you know what? I always forget, and I will tell you and remind everybody that we've got our simple seminar coming up that's right thursday november 22nd at 7 p.m you can join us here at our head office the simple seminar go to the simpleinvestor.com to register we're going to be talking about all sorts of things i'm going to talk about you know rules and regulations of landlords obviously the new cannabis rules for landlords as well who makes the best tenant and we always talk about our newest release that we've got in the market, which, by the way, um, we've just got a few left. Uh, it, right now, we've got a release in Tilsonburg, Ontario, uh, just outside of London. And right now, one, uh, sorry, two bedrooms are $129.9 uh, guaranteed rent uh, full cash flowing and you don't want to miss out on an opportunity to become a real estate investor with something that is fully managed. So go to the simpleinvestor.com to register and you'll find out all about it. But speaking about real estate, and one of the things that we are finding is that a lot of the marketplace is being driven now by the condominium market. That's right. Right now, we're watching stuff rise in areas down, such as the core of the GTA, but also out in Mississauga right now. Condominium prices are edging up, even though we're finding that the detached market is kind of, it's kind of null and void. It's not happening. It's very much in a neutral state. And so how are people affording these condominiums? I mean, the prices, we have uh, we've surpassed th the average $1,000 a square foot price for brand new. And you know, one of the things that I think that we should have for clarity is the fact that whenever we talk about square footage price, we're, we're talking about um, brand new construction. And so a lot of people that, you know, if you've been living in a condominium for the last 35 years and, you know, you say to yourself, wow, I've got a thousand square foot place, that means it's worth over a million dollars. I wish I could say that is true. I mean, of course, your location is going to determine if it is or not. But more importantly, we are talking about brand new construction prices. So whenever you see these headlines in the newspapers and they say, you know, 
you know, brand new construction has surpassed $1,000 a square foot. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that 30, 40 year old buildings are being pulled along with them. And this is why we talk about affordability, because there are buildings that are affordable. They're just not normally in the downtown core. We are seeing the outer markets still staying strong with some affordability. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, Todd, wait a minute, affordability at 400000 for a one bedroom? Yep because in the downtown core it's 600,000 so you have to decide is $200,000 worth the drive and a lot of people that's that's the big dilemma that we're seeing right now in the marketplace and you know it's interesting uh, another thing that's happening obviously higher interest rates a little tougher to get some mortgages so where are people going well seems that we're seeing private lenders uh, you know they're benefiting from this current interest rate hike as well as the stress test and as well, we're taking a look at some of the trust companies that are starting to kick it up a little. They're able to do fairly well in this marketplace, uh, as well as the credit unions. Uh, not all of them are under the same rules and regulations, so they don't necessarily have stress tests. Now, they may ask for a little higher interest rate, but they might qualify you for a little bit higher. So make sure you weigh out all your options. Uh, always a good, sometimes a good mortgage broker is handy to have, and you'll find out a little bit more about it. Um, so when we take a look at private debt, is it a good thing? Well, be careful because there are some things that are going to create problems. Higher mortgage rates when you go to a private lender may be a bit of a solution, but you have to watch on their prepayment privileges, what kind of uh, fees you're going to pay when you want to get rid of the debt. So again, make sure you read all the numbers. Interesting fact, Singapore ousts Hong Kong as the number one for luxury home price gains, uh, rose 13% in the quarter ended in September 30th, 13% up in one quarter. That's pretty scary stuff and something that I think that we need to be uh, very cautious with in any marketplace. When you see it rise so quick, it normally means that it can fall just as quick. Um, Speaking of rising, but it's not going to happen, uh, Queen's Park kills York Region's hopes for imposing new taxes. And I bet you everybody in the York Region just took a big sigh of relief there. Uh, you know, one of the things that people are being mandated or areas are being mandated that um, they have to have a certain growth. So in other words, so many residents, they have to make sure everything's done. And when people start struggling with putting in infrastructure, the natural reaction is, okay, if the government's not going to do it, we're going to get the homeowners to pay it. Well, when they were taking a look at uh, the York region, to meet some of the requirements, they were actually coming up with an idea that you would have to have an increase in your property tax of 13 to 17% per year. That is insanity. And when we take a look at these numbers, fortunately, um, Premier Doug Ford's new government has turned down the region's demand, uh, saying that, no, you can't do it. You're not going to have the ability to impose that much tax on everybody. Now, the real question is, how are they going to meet the requirement of the infrastructure? Well, you know what? Our suggestion always is let the new developers step up and, you know what? Remove some of their, their costs, some of their levies, and let them do some of the building of the infrastructure. But give them the green light to build more, make it quicker, make it easier for them to do. Because you know, at the end of the day, our, we still struggle with inventory. And if you could free up the private builders so i mean i'm talking mainstream mainstream builders 
the, not the government, because we don't want the government building this stuff. We want the public to do it because then they can, A, it's good for employment, but it's good for development in general, and they will do it faster, more efficient, and get rid of some of these development charges. And you know what? Give them a green light. Tell them, listen, you put in the infrastructure, you can build it. If they build it, they will come, and you're darn right. In the GTA right now, we definitely have a shortage, both of rental properties as well as new inventory coming in. So joining me now is uh, a wonderful guest. I, you know what? You, you've heard her here many, many times on Simply Real Estate. It's Romana King, real estate professional. She is an author um, and definitely my go-to person out on the West Coast. And uh, welcome back, Romana. It's nice to be here. I always love starting off in Vancouver, talking about the West Coast with you. Of course, you're, you know, you've, you've, you've gravitated out that way. You've been there for, how long you've been there now? About, is it 18? months or it's, it's all it's two years two years wow. in October yeah. Wow. I, I was just trying to think to myself, you know, the, when, when Ian had made, uh, made the uh, ability for you to come on the show, and I kept thinking to myself, but has it been that long? Has it really been too long? Yeah, wow, that's incredible. So, um, so I've, seen, let's... I've seen that peak, and I've seen the, the, the bottom, or maybe the bottom. We don't know yet. <laughs> okay, and that's exactly why I wanted to have a chat with you today. Um, what is happening on the West Coast? What is going on? I mean, you've got, you know, you've got all sorts of things, uh, new mayors, you know, governments switching hands. There's seems like seems like everything is happening right now and you know we always try to look at uh, Vancouver as kind of being the the lead before Toronto but I don't know if it is yeah I don't know if it is either I think there's a lot of uh, reactivity in the market so uh, we all know that law and politics follows what's happening so if things are happening in the market uh, law and politics will just sort of follow along behind it, trying to pick up the breadcrumbs. So a lot of the political maneuvering right now, and we just had a whole bunch of municipal elections out on the West Coast, a lot of the the mandates were about affordable housing, rental housing. So we're still seeing a lot of that. And for that reason, I think it's it's definitely affecting the market. Um, We just don't know how it's going to play out completely. And I know that, you know, we had, you know, I think it was North York or York tried to make a bid to do more taxes out in Toronto. So I think municipal governments are still trying to get more piece of the pie and trying to dictate what's going on in the local markets. In Vancouver, you know, you've got all these global reports coming out saying, you know, we've dropped in the rankings for most expensive cities in the world. I think Vancouver dropped from 4th to 11th in one of the reports. And that doesn't surprise us. We sort of knew that we had a super inflated ultra luxury market. Uh, there was global demand for that market, and that global demand is now being a bit more reticent for a variety of reasons. And now those that that particular market in particular has dropped quite a bit. I mean, that said, West Vancouver is still the most expensive and the fastest growing in uh, in in the Vancouver area. Yeah, you know, because it was interesting because I was reading some reports and CMHC is still saying that the Vancouver market is overheated, overpriced. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, we are seeing the we we know that the one thing that will actually impact uh, demand will be the cost of housing in terms of holding that housing for long term, and what dictates that interest rates. And although interest rates are ticking up, I think that's sort of more of a motivation for people to get in now. So you're still going to see sort of this inflated activity, and I think it's not going to die down until we start seeing the five percent interest rates on on mortgage rates, and we haven't seen that yet. 
Wow. Okay. So you just dropped a huge bomb. Uh, most of our <laughs> listeners now have to pick themselves up off the ground with that one, 5% interest rates. Um, listen, we're going to go to a quick break, but um, I would love for you to stay put, Ramana. And when we come back, I want to talk more about A, Vancouver, the big bomb you just dropped of 5% interest rates. And we'll talk about Toronto. So uh, if you don't mind, stay put. And folks, we'll be right back with Ramana King. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Romana King, and she is a real estate expert, uh, author, and, uh, you know, as I said uh, earlier, you know, one of the people that I love to have a conversation with about real estate. Romana, just before the break, uh, we were talking about one of the reasons why, you know, people are probably going to keep trying to buy in marketplaces. One is the, you know, upward pressure on interest rates. You mentioned 5%. Um, is do, do you think we're going to get there or is that is that maybe the Bank of Canada wishful thinking but we're going to get checked up a little I think we're going to get there and I think I think the writing is on the wall explicitly not implicitly we had you know Governor Pollard's actually said yesterday listen get used to the fact that bench rate rates will be at two and a half three and a half percent that's bench rate that's what the banks borrow at so you're going to add that two percent 200 basis points that we consumers get Already at that top end, it's four and a half percent. Now that's if you're an A plus borrower. That means you've got rarely any debt. You've got great employment with I don't know a AAA company like Royal Bank or something, uh, and you've got you know 20 years of income history. What if you're self-employed? What if all of a sudden the points start going up and you're looking at the five five and a half percent mortgage rates? So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that within the next year or two there will be people already entering that. 5% band, and we will see more of it as the, the decade winds its way through. Well, it's interesting because some of the economists um, would agree and disagree because some of them are actually saying that um, too much forward pressure is going to actually create a negative to the actual economy, and we could go backwards if they get too aggressive. That's the fine balancing, and that's why housing is still such a hot item on the, glo- uh, the global and our national uh, economic landscape. They understand that if they go too quickly, we're going to crash. People are going to panic. People are going to be upset. The market's going to get scared. We know what happens when there's, there's fear in the market. Things freeze up. Liquidity freezes up. Things start to grind to a halt. That's not a good thing. Um, and that's just the housing market. I mean, there's also, you know, businesses won't borrow and then there won't be growth and there's a whole other set of ramifications. So they're going to go slowly, but they have been going slowly. And then that's the thing is we have had, what is it, six or seven increase rates in the last couple of years. You know, we've gone from 0.5% bench rate to 1.75. So we know that there are, it is possible to have slow incremental rates over a period of time that people can absorb and adjust and then they go on their tickety-boo way and then the next rate comes and we absorb and we adjust and we go on our way. And so this has already happened. This is going to continue to happen. I don't think we're going to see what was the norm, which is the bank bench rate of 5%, but it won't be out of the realm of possibility that the borrowing rate will be at, the, at around 5%. It used to be that the borrowing rate was around 6 or 7%. So we're still beyond, like below the norm of what used to be the norm. I think the new norm will be the 5%. But that's a huge shock for people that used to borrow at 2.5%. <laughs> yeah, I think I think one of the indicators, though, will be when we start seeing defaults. And yeah. I believe that based on the current debt structure for a lot of people, that even another half a point increase, I believe that we're going to start seeing defaults. You know, you know, years ago, you know, you're, you're, you've been a real estate practitioner, so have I, you know, the power of sales were very common. You know, we saw a lot of people, you know, and, and it was more common in the newspapers to see, you know, oh, power sale, power 
sale. We, we'd see them all the time. Uh, for about the last five years, we have not seen one. I mean, basically, you know, listening to, mm. to the banks, the lenders, they're saying, oh, no, every, everybody, you know, all the people do is, you know, sell. They can get out, no problem. They're making money. And so we haven't seen the power sales. But I believe in the next 18 to 24 months, this is going to come back. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's going to go power sale, but I think that we're going to start seeing a few that are going to pop into the market because people will default because they just can't handle the extra interest rates. Absolutely. I mean, we know across Canada, the default rate is about 0.23%, and this is from the, the bank, uh, Canadian Bankers Association statistics. You know, the, the highest is in Saskatchewan at, at almost 0.8%, uh, but the rest of the country is quite low. And believe it or not, British Columbia is one of the lowest, 0.15%. Um, Ontario backs it up with, uh, is actually the lowest, 0.09% default rate. And that was for, as of June 30th, 2018, the default rates are really, really low right now because interest rates are really low and it's easy to sort of readjust and, and make your mortgage payments. It's one of the reasons why there is the, it was a theoretical argument for why we have to have this mortgage stress test. We need to be able to help people understand they need to adjust to higher rates. So I think that default rates will be a good indication. The problem with default rates in Canada is we're not we're not a country that allows you to default and walk away. You're still responsible for that debt. So default rates have never been extraordinarily high, even at the worst of times. Even when interest rates were at 23%, default rates never got beyond 1.5% across Canada. Right? Yeah. All of a sudden, we, we see that default rates are a good indication when they start trending up. It's the trending up that you're talking about, and that's exactly what we're looking for. Is it trending up? But what really will happen is when we start to see people putting houses on the market, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to capitalize whatever gains they have to be able to pay off that debt. Yeah. Or they're trying to refinance to get that debt so that they can manage it. When that's, when refinance starts to go up, so refis start to go up, and when houses start to go on the market, we start to see more inventory on the market, which we are. We are seeing more inventory on the market, <laughs> right? Um, that's when we start to see issues in the market. So it'll be interesting to find out, are these more, is this more inventory on the market because people start to realize, I'm carrying too much debt, I better get out from underneath this. And if they can't sell, what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're seeing in Toronto right now is we're seeing the gap closing between condominiums and detached. The detached market has, you know, kind of remained very stagnant at this point, you know, a little bit of a, a dip in a lot of the marketplaces. And yet we're seeing the condo market continue to rise. So we're actually seeing that gap get smaller, which, you know, then I guess we ask the question, should people start going and looking at detached instead of condos? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the, the perennial argument, you know, what do I, what's the best value. Detached became so extraordinarily expensive, people were priced out and started looking at townhouses and condos. Well, now, because of the mortgage stress test, we, and we knew this was going to happen, we knew that the lower band properties, the properties are priced in a band that was lower than, than other areas, right? They were going to become very popular. There's going to be a bigger demand for them because people can't afford. They, they actually can't get more mortgage. They ha need more of a down payment to get the mortgage townhouses and condos become popular. Now we're seeing a huge, and, and there's other reasons too. I mean, there's, there's employment. Toronto's starting to experience that tech uh, demand that, that Vancouver's already experienced. So you're starting to get tech companies come in, and those are usually young singles. They don't want detached houses. They want condos in the urban core. Guess what happens? Those condo prices, boom, they start going up. I mean, I think across the board in the last month, townhouse prices are up 12% and condo prices are up 8%. If you want a three-bedroom condo, it's up 18% in the last month. 
Wow. Well, you know, yeah. definitely, something, def- definitely something we're going to have to keep our eye on. You know, our square footage price keeps going up and up and up. And again, detaches may actually look more attractive in the near future. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> it's crazy to say that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Anyways, Romano, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Todd. Always a pleasure. And uh, folks, stay with us. When I come back, I've got Ron Sally. He is a uh, broker owner at Remax, and uh, we've got lots to talk about. So we'll be with you right after this. And welcome back. If you're just joining me now, uh, my guest in the studio is Ron Sally. And for those of you that do not know his name yet, you're going to. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about him over the next few years. He is, well, we'll call him a young gun. He is the uh, new broker owner of Remax Millennium. Uh, what makes him so unique? Well, he's the youngest broker that Remax has ever had. And uh, Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Todd, for having me. Yeah, real pleasure. So, Ron, um, before before you and I get into kind of the hot topics I do want to talk about, of course, um, maybe you can share a little bit of your, your, your heritage in the business. You've been, in, even though you're, you know, a young guy, you've been, still have been in the business for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. I come from a family full of realtors, and uh, my father is also a real estate professional himself. And uh, I got a chance to watch him and learn a lot from him, and that encouraged me to be uh, in the industry myself. So when I first started, again, you don't know much. You sort of look, watch, kind of observe. And as you go along, you realize what works, what doesn't work, what the clients want, what the industry is looking for, and the type of professional you need to be. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, and fortunately for yourself, you, you, you've kind of come up through some proving grounds over the last few years. You know, we had we had a crazy run up and then now we've had this complete adjustment. And and I'll call it adjustment. I, I never want people to ever think that we had a real estate crash because, you know, if, if we follow the numbers, technically it has not been a crash. But we had this we had this weird spike, you know, back March 2017 that kind of forced the numbers. They, they skewed everything. I mean, had basically had those those first three months of March, uh, sorry, of 2017 never happened, then it would have just been kind of like a typical, like nice, strong rise in real estate and then, you know, a slight adjustment. But, you know, again, everybody went to the highest number. Everybody believed their house was worth that. And even today, I'm pretty sure for yourself, are you still getting that same kind of question? It's like, oh, you know, yeah. hey, Ron, my house was worth, you know, 1.5 million, but it's, why are you telling me it's worth 1.2? I know. I, I get this all the time. And uh, I think it's time that sellers and buyers both need to manage their expectations. It's always the same thing. Sellers always want the highest price for the property. Buyers always want the lowest price for the property. It's always important to bridge the gap. But again, expectations and a good realtor always needs to clear up the expectation of what the house is truly worth. That's the real art of pricing a property, of pricing it right. Right. Making sure you have the right price. Yeah, and 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 I agree with you. Now, you you did talk about the expectations of buyers and how buyers want to be able to buy things at obviously the the lowest price. A lot in the news, uh, the, especially the last eighteen months, affordability. Okay, and and I do want to I do want to touch on that with you today. Obviously, is the fact that we've got we've got a huge huge group of. I would say, you know, uh, promising first-time homebuyers coming into the marketplace. And yet, you know, they they are praying for a massive real estate adjustment. Like nothing would make, I think, the buyers of today happier than a 30 or 40% reduction in price. But yet that would be catastrophic for the real estate. And I would say the economy in Canada alone. What's your take on that? I think more than ever, um, the new buyers that are coming into the market, affordability has always been an issue whether it was this year, whether it was last year or the year before. Challenge is that 
now that we've seen a big change in the industry, it's really the mortgage interest rates that have really made an impact in terms of affordability. Now, buyers really need to have their income levels either up to place, either need to have more down payment, either need to have more resources. So the first time buyers are having that challenge of affordability because the banks are not seeing them as credible based on the income value and earnings that they have. Well, you know, the, uh, when they implemented the stress test, obviously, that was, yeah. that, was, that was a big thing. And rightfully so. I mean, there were some people that were, you know, really t- putting, the, putting the pedal to the metal, maxing their, their ability out. In fact, you know, I don't think too many people ever turned around and said, the bank says I can afford this, but let's knock it down by 200000 you know. They, and, 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 you know, you're, you're out there uh, doing this every single day. You've got now realtors working for you under your brokerage. Are you finding that people are being being a lot more cautious or right now because of the stress test I think they have to push their max right now up to the stress test amount let's say a buyers in the industry and they're looking to purchase a home okay first-time buyer their income levels coming back to the income levels let's say what what does an average uh, uh, new buyer make uh, about sixty thousand dollars about eighty thousand dollars a year that's a sort of an average that we sort of look at now the affordability-wise, if they're looking at the GTA, you have homes in the GTA that are more than six hundred, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, ranging all the way over to a million dollars. For them to be on that kind of income level, they're not going to be able to afford that. So that's the challenge. How do we fix that? That's the most important. So now the buyer will seek the uh, parental support, or they'll seek more on the borrowing ratio, or they'll have to move a little bit further out of the city. And that's sort of the trend that we've seen. Yeah. You know, one of the things, and, and you did touch on it there, uh, of course, are parents. And we are hearing that parents are doing, you know, a refi on their current residence, you know, to be able to accommodate, you know, p- p- potentially a higher down payment. And this is what people are looking at. Um, do you think, though, that the, the first-time buyer's expectations are too high? I mean, you know, because quite frankly, you, you've worked with a lot of the builders, okay, uh, in the past. And, you know, you and I were talking off-air about it and, you know, some of these, you know, beautiful sites. And, 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 and in all fairness, like, they are like five-star resorts, some of these places that are being built. I mean, they're yeah. beautiful, you know, rooftop pools, bars, you know, the whole bit. You know, I mean, you oh, take yeah. a look at these units. They're stellar. Um, are they shooting too high out of the gate? I mean, is, is there some normalcy that should be had that said, hey, listen, you know what? Home ownership is good, even if it's, you know, a little bit older, a little bit tired, maybe do a little sweat equity. Should, should buyers be looking at that just as much as the shiny penny? I still believe there's stuff that's out there that's affordable. There is stuff that's affordable. You have to look at where you can achieve that affordability ratio. If you're looking at Toronto downtown core, that affordability may not be in place because you have a select demographic who will be able to take that. That's where pre-con comes into play. Right. And again, this is where the, the bridging that you and I were speaking about earlier, about the, the, the gap that's uh, bridging between the home and the condos. Now that price is being bridged altogether. Right. So there was a big gap in between. Now that gap is slowly, slowly being closed. So when, when you, you mentioned pre-construction there, mm-hmm. um, you know there are there are some big numbers coming out of pre-construction right now. Oh uh, yeah, square footage prices. Is there affordability in the Greater Toronto area with new pre-construction stuff, or are are we now now entering, you know, that cascading effect that you know prices in condominium because because right now the stats are saying that um, you know we're we're closing the gap, detached to condominium. That gap's getting smaller. 
So our average right now is about $1,000 per square foot. We've achieved it now. Right. So a couple of years ago, um, when I was doing my uh, other di- different developments, I thought the price was expensive at that point in time. And buyers thought the pr- price was expensive more time. Then guess what? The year after that, price went up even more. Sure. They thought that was expensive as well. Year after that, the price went up even more. So we kept seeing an increase in price. And that wasn't because somebody just decided, hey, let's raise up the prices for no apparent reason. It's because there wasn't enough supply. There was more population that was coming in and there was not there's more demand than there was supply. And when that happens, the prices tend to normally go up. Right. So that's what we saw. So I do remember this development that I was selling. This was in Yorkville. It was by Great Gulf Developments. And at that point in time, they were around uh, $900 per square foot. This is about two years ago, by the way. Right. Okay, $900 per square foot in the Yorkville area. And 900 950 that was the range that they were looking at. Now, that same building price, I saw some remaining inventory that came over. You're looking at $1,300 per square foot. Wow. Look at that big jump. Yeah, that's huge. And and maybe that's also leading to why some of the builders are also canceling some developments because, you know, there's been some pre-construction developments that were pushed out around 600, 700 a square foot. Um, if they took today's prices, even at, let's say, 9 to 950, you know, they're leaving 60, 70, 80, 100 million dollars on, on the table. Um, do, you, do you see prices continuing to go up per square foot? I do see it go up. And that's also because of the construction costs that have gone up as well. But I do see pricing uh, go up uh, phenomenally well. Yeah, Yeah. they will definitely go up. And I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of the cancellations of the developments. Um, Again, there's a lot of reasons why these developments were canceled specifically. um, And I got to find out about it as well. And again, all the over thousands of uh, of buyers sort of just left stranded based on the price point they bought and the increase that was uh, taken thereafter. So it was just quite unfortunate that happened. Yeah, it is. And, and and I think people are going to be reeling from it for a few years because they now have to come back into a marketplace with a completely different idea as well. They may not qualify for the, the you know the current prices and financing. Um, Ron, we're going to go to a quick break. I'd like you to stay put because I do, there's, there's lots for us to talk about and I want to pick your brain on a few things. So uh, folks, if you, uh, if you hang on, I'm going to be back with Ron Sally. He is the uh, broker owner at Remax Millennium and we're going to have more after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest in the studio is Ron Sally, and he is the broker owner at Remax Millennium. And uh, Ron, just before we went to break, you and I were talking about square footage prices in condominiums. And of course, you know, condominiums seem to be the new the new fallback for all first-time home buyers because we're talking about affordability and things like that. We're looking at some square footage prices. And, and I guess you've actually seen or experienced some of these cancellations in the marketplace. You know, it, it's very unfortunate, but... Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we try to do here at the show is we try to give people our best advice. And of course, going with builders that are out there that you've seen them complete the work, you know that if they take, you know, if, they, if they're taking a down payment, you know they're going to complete the job. Um, is, there, is there any other pieces of advice you can give, you know, buyers of new, new construction, uh, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of things that uh, any investor or even a purchaser that looks at, I get asked this question all the time. Hey, what's a good area to invest in or what's a good pocket to invest in? Or should I buy in Toronto versus the suburbs? What, how, do, how do we, what's the right way to go about investing? Investments and money to be made in pre-con, there's always going to be areas where you can make money. It not necessarily has to be in Toronto as a whole. You can make money from the suburbs. There's actually a couple of developments that are coming up in the Vaughan metropolitan area, which I think are a very good investment. And I myself even considering that to even purchase in that vicinity as well. Secondly, 
if we were any advice that I would give to a new buyer, I would say, look, no matter what you do, nothing triumphs location because location is a proximity to everything, whether it's to the um, the station um, that you have to the underground stations, the um, uh, any any walk score walk score that you look at, something that you are close by, shopping, uh, restaurants, you have your retail. So those are things that make a big difference. You mentioned location, and um, for those of our listeners that know me as the simple investor, one of the things. I always say, um, you know, people will say location, 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 but I also say cash flow. Right now, the GTA does not cash flow. No, it's okay. not cash flow. Not, not even close. No. Um, in fact, with the with your new square footage price, um, if the average investor, and we'll just call an investor, you know, somebody that puts twenty percent down, you know, they they they're, they're using standard institutional money. Today, most people are losing anywhere from about five to eight hundred dollars per month in negative cash flow, even with the increase in rents. So that's based on your your taxes, your maintenance fees. You know, we don't we haven't managed the ten yeah but this is this is kind of an average are people doing the right thing to speculate then because i mean if you if you're buying today at a thousand dollars a square foot is it realistic to assume that you know it's going to be fourteen hundred dollars a square foot in five years no it's not realistic certain certain developments will be there certain pockets will be there but uh some developments uh they'll be a little bit under fourteen hundred dollars per square foot and this gap of um rental rates that's being achieved and the negative cash flow, that negative cash flow is quite evident that's going on. But it's worthwhile when you look at the appreciation you make when it comes time to sell. Well, I was going to ask that because, you know, again, you know, doing doing my math, um, you know, I look at it and say, okay, great. So let's say we're losing, you know, eight grand a year, 40,000 over five, somebody's going to have to unload it, you know, um, I do believe that their overall investment, they will make money. But in the meantime, they still have to subsidize it. And this is where I think people get themselves into kind of a bit of a predicament, right? Because it's like people say, oh, yeah, but I'm going to get this appreciation. I'm going to make $100,000 a few years down the road. That's exciting. But you got to pay to get there. You got to pay to get there. Yeah, and I think I think that's the one calculation. I think some people are kind of uh, kind of you know struggling with um, something new in the in the industry, and I, I'm actually glad to see it. And I want your take on it is the idea of bids. You know, when when we had you know we had so many multiple offers, a lot of things that people were questioning. Now you know there's the auction style bidding. You know, more transparency, and some auction houses are opening up in real estate. What do you think of that idea? I think it's an interesting concept. We've seen a little bit more than before. How long it's going to last? I heard about. Uh, Is it a fad? <laughs> it, it could be. It could be a fad. I mean, only when you start seeing it gain momentum and more and more of it starts happening. You know, a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of complaints. You know, seventy five offers coming in. You know, was everybody best represented? You know, did everybody did the did the actual owner see all seventy five offers? Did they yeah. say no to seventy four of them? You know, and and this was this was a big thing last year. And of course, you know, we we we've kind of cooled down, but you're you're still seeing some multiple offers. I, I was guess I something. was in myself as well. I, Again, I was in an offer presentation uh, a couple of years back when we really had a big spike in the uh, the prices and uh, uh, over 70, I think it was over 70 plus offers. Right. And my buyers and I, again, I I, I, told, I recommended we walk away. We ended up going 200, 300,000. I said, listen, we're not going anything over after that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's because they wanted to do that. But it was, we waited over five, I think it was almost five hours we waited. Yeah. Uh, because of the offers, they, they had to review and they had to go oh, sure. over. Yeah. yeah, it was it was insane. Yeah, you know, and 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 it, I hope it doesn't go, ever go back that way. 
Okay, because I think I think people were throwing caution in the wind. There was no, you know, people were yanking out conditions, uh, firm offer, huge deposits, not really as knowledgeable perhaps for for some of the properties. Um, so a couple other things that definitely I want to talk about. Uh, you were quoted in an article: uh, Toronto real estate slated for another boom. You think? I think so. One is the influx of uh, technology that's going on right now. We're North America's. We're ranked uh, number four in North America for uh, the biggest tech industry. Okay. okay. Secondly, we're the uh, we're ranked number two in terms of the uh, financial uh, center. We have the second largest financial center in North America, and then we have a third largest tech sector in North America as well. And we happen to be the fourth largest city of Toronto. So, a couple of things. So, let me wrap that up. This was a couple of stats that I threw out there. Our population is increasing. We're expected over a million residents uh, over the next three years that are going to come into Canada. Ontario has always been a very big hotspot for a lot of immigration, and uh, a lot of people are coming into Toronto. Right now, we do actually we're actually undersupplied. Mm-hmm. in terms of the units that we have and the housing that's available within the, the Toronto and the GTA area. Right. Okay. Secondly, the financial sector and the tech sector, we have Microsoft, we have Uber, we have Shopify, uh, and we have a horde of tech industries that are sort of cre- having that, uh, uh, that creation, which is going to bring in more jobs. And when jobs come, real estate technically naturally goes up. If we observe the comparison between what happened in Silicon Valley, where San Francisco home prices were at around $200,000, $300,000, within a couple of years, you see the prices shoot up over a million dollars. This is something that is taking place in Toronto. We haven't reached that scale yet where it's going to escalate quickly. We've escalated slowly, slowly, slowly in the, in, the, in the years to come up with. So if I talk about developments, builders are getting smarter now. We're actually undersupplied in office space as well. So mm-hmm. the city of Toronto is really encouraging builders when they build buildings to have that uh, office space and that commercial retail space because they don't have the space to construct it or build it themselves. So that's what they're encouraging. Now you'll see a lot of different pre-construction developments that come up will have a lot of co-working space. Yep. So there's been a big demand in co-working space as well. So. When jobs are created, this is great for our economy. Our economy gets a big boost. Again, uh, economics 101, right? The more they spend, economy, money circulates, uh, income goes up, more business in the industry, so on and so forth. Now, that's the biggest advantage. So that's why I think the tech boom is really going to drive everything that's there. Not to mention Google. Google is being a big player. So what Google's been doing is they've been creating sidewalk labs. There's this project that they have. It's called Sidewalk Labs by Alphabet Inc., and they are going to certain cities and they're setting up certain section within the city to test out their, uh, their latest technology right. to really implement the changes of a futuristic city. And that's where Toronto is headed right now. We're headed in that futuristic stage. We haven't really achieved it. Then we have the Mars Discovery District. In the Mars Discovery District in Toronto, a lot of local companies are forming together to create uh, apps, websites, talk about the latest uh, technology and trends that are taking place. A lot of people are starting their online businesses. That's why the Toronto tech boom is real, and they're saying that we are slated to uh, oversee more than Silicon Valley. We're the next Silicon Valley. So what do you, what do you say to the people that say, not in my backyard? Okay, the NIMBYs, right? Because because the truth is, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's development, there's infill. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are fighting it tooth and nail. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the developers are finding that that's one of the hardest things to overcome. You know, they're buying up, you know, some of the old commercial buildings. You know, they're on a good footprint, but they're going to go up by 20, 30, 40 stories yeah. when they're sitting right now at two or three. And yeah. you've got a lot of these people in the neighborhood saying, 
No. It's a tough question to answer. How do you fight it? You have a couple of people saying, no, we don't want this. Yeah. The city looks at what's better for the whole. They don't look at what a couple of people want. Sometimes the city looks at, okay, what's better for the future? What's better for the next five years? And but the developers, we, and again, they have the, the but development. But aren't we changing the face of the city? See, that's, that, that's the thing. And this is, this is where, you know, you know, Toronto's always had, you know, yes, it's a, it's a big city, but we're also looking at something that we're, we're, we're changing the face of it. And what's the harm of that? Yeah. I'd be devil's advocate. That's all yeah. because I, I've got some listeners that say, Todd, you know, they got to stop building in the city and everybody should go outwards. Hey, look, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm much for it as, uh, as much as they are. I hate the traffic. I hate being stuck in, uh, in traffic. I hate some of the development zones. I got caught, I mean, one and a half hours last time I got caught in the, just trying to circle around because of the development that was going on so again there's nothing more annoying than being stuck in traffic with the development and the noise and, sure. and you know everything being shut down but three to four years nobody's gonna look at it. they're gonna look at it hey you know what this is actually better for the city four to five years down the road wow this is amazing they'll forget it all together yeah right? they forget it all together yeah. so it's just like what was in the past is it's, it's totally taken care of yeah even where i'm staying right now uh, i live close to the uh the vaughn metropolitan center yeah. uh and there's a there's a development that's coming by um, a cortel group it's called cg towers right. it's about uh you know, just a short distance walk away from the Vaughn Metro. Vaughn Metro is so important because it connects you straight to Union Station in downtown Toronto. We have the KPMG uh, Center there as well. We have tons of hotels. We have tons of amenities. More builders are coming into play to build around uh, transit centers. So it's one of the most important things. If you really look at what the city is encouraging, cities saying, guys, it's better that you build around the transit centers because transportation has always been an issue. How can we, again, everyone will agree if they've ever been to Europe or anywhere else in, in the world, <laughs> the transportation system that we have isn't the greatest, but, and, and it takes us like many, many years to complete a project altogether. Well, you know what, you, uh, I'll have to have you come back and we'll have to talk more about it as we watch things yeah. develop. Uh, Ron, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Absolutely. You can check out my website, uh, Remax Millennium. I have a real estate brokerage or you can give me a call uh, directly at 905-782-5620. Well, listen, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. pleasure Folks, that was Ron Sally and he is the... Broker owner at Remax Millennium. I also want to thank Ramana King for joining me. Always a pleasure to have Ramana and her, you know, great viewpoints on everything. Uh, need to thank Ian Grant, my producer. He keeps it simple, as he always does for me each week. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Now, remember, I'm back next Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm Todd C. Slater, and now it's time for News Talk 1010 Time Saver Traffic. You're listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm Todd C. Slater, and it is 3.15 and time for News Talk 1010 Time Saver Traffic. You're listening to Simply Real Estate, and I'm Todd C. Slater. It's 3.30, and it's time for News Talk 1010 Time Saver Traffic. You're listening to Simply Real Estate, and I'm Todd C. Slater. It's 3.45 in time for News Talk 1010 Time Saver Traffic.